This is the J. Scott Outdoors podcast on Western big game hunting and fishing brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and use the J. Scott promo code when signing up to receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. I'm your host, J. Scott. And I live and breathe hunting and fishing, spending half the year in the field experiencing God's creation. I hope you'll enjoy hearing about our adventures. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today is actually January 23rd, uh, 2016 when I'm recording this episode. And I'm looking forward to this episode with Hunter Weems out of Flagstaff, Arizona. Hunter is a young up-and-coming uh, guide and and hunter. Uh, he's been hunting with his dad for many years and he guides for A3 trophy hunts and uh, he's got a lot of knowledge here on uh, how his season went, archery deer hunting, archery elk hunting, uh, coos deer hunting, antelope hunting, a bunch of different hunts uh, and uh, he had a hunt with his mom uh, and, uh, this is going to be a great episode before we get to that. I wanted to address a couple things. Uh, I just got back from Mexico. I was gone for two weeks, coos deer hunting and, uh, with Colburn and Scott outfitters, my associate dark Colburn and I had, uh, four hunters on the first hunt and, uh, five hunters on the second hunt. They're two seven day hunts. And, uh, we actually had two really good hunts on the first hunt. We actually had two uh, GoHunt.com insider members that had won the hunt giveaway in October. Uh, GoHunt.com insider every month uh, either has a hunt or a gear giveaway. And um, two lucky recipients, uh, Ryan and Mervin, had won the hunt. And I'm happy to report that uh, uh, they both shot 103-inch bucks. It's both their first coos deer bucks. They're both their first coos deer hunts. And uh, we had a lot of fun with them. Uh, the other two hunters um, actually ended up killing a 112-inch buck and a 117-inch buck. And uh, we had a great trip. Uh, when we arrived at the ranch on the 7th of January, it was actually raining the whole day driving in. And uh, it rained all night as we were unpacking the gear. R- rained all night on us uh, in the house. Uh, not in the house, thankfully, um, although we did have a few roof leaks. Um, we woke up the next morning to kind of partly cloudy skies, cold, crisp uh, conditions about halfway up on most of the mountains on the ranch. There was snow and it was a real beautiful uh, day for sure. And we saw quite a few deer. Deer were moving when it was cold and, and uh, the rut was actually surprisingly on uh, pretty darn good uh, that first week. And um, then we had our second week, uh, seven-day hunt. Uh, We went back down. We came out on the 15th, went back down with a new group of hunters on the 15th and uh, hunted for scheduled seven days. And um, we got a buck uh, just under 100, uh, two 105-type bucks, a 112-type buck, and a 127 interesting the 112 and the 127 were both shot on the same hill uh the last afternoon which i believe was our fifth day Uh, and then we ended up coming home a day and a half early so um 127 buck is just a real palmated 
uh, real gnarly looking buck. And the 112 is just a clean, perfect three by three. Uh, you can see all the photos of those bucks on my Instagram account at jscottoutdoors. Also on our blog, jscottoutdoors.com. And I'm going to be putting them on Facebook as well. I want to thank you guys for all the great emails that I got while I was down in Mexico. And uh, I got a few emails in regards to the new sponsors of this podcast. And I would like to say a couple things. I uh, got some great feedback. A lot of you love the new sponsors and, and have been supporting them already. And I would encourage you that if you haven't, uh, please check out our sponsors uh, and uh, give them support. They've stepped up to support this podcast. And I got actually two emails from people saying that uh, they didn't think that I should have any sponsors at all on the podcast. And I'd like to address that. So I do eight episodes uh, a month, uh, if not more. I believe the highest amount of episodes that I've done was uh, going leading into the fall season in, in July and August. I think I did 14, uh, 12 to 14. Um, and uh, this podcast, uh, you know, takes quite a bit of my time and I really enjoy doing it. But in my mind, I think it's a perfect avenue and perfect platform to uh, have sponsors. And the reality is this podcast wouldn't be possible without sponsors. So, um, you know, for the two guys that did email and they feel like I should not have any sponsors at all, you know, I just, uh, this podcast isn't going to be possible without sponsors. So, you know, if I lose two listeners, you know, that's, that's really too bad. Um, but it's the way it is, and I appreciate all of you that have emailed and texted me talking about the new sponsors and how excited uh, you were that they stepped up to support this podcast because without them, it wouldn't be possible. So enough about that. Uh, I'm going to try and continue to bring really good information uh, in regards to hunting and fishing, and I've got already a great uh, lineup of guests over the next couple of months, and uh, I'm going to continue to try and get better and better. You know, this uh, podcast uh, just started out at the end of February, so of uh, 2015, and we're almost a year old. Um, but it seems like I learn something uh, every episode, and I'm I'm getting a little bit better at my craft. And I appreciate uh, all the support that you guys have given me uh, with this podcast. I would like to point out that um, the GoHunt.com Insider uh, January giveaway. There's so there's seven or eight days left in in to the end of January. Uh, GoHunt.com Insider is giving away 40 double tap ammunition gift certificates uh, worth a hundred dollars each. So that's a total value of four thousand. And, um, uh, you know, double tap hand loads, uh, all of their rounds. Uh, they also own rifles and handguns in every caliber that they offer. And they spend countless hours on load development. I want to thank GoHunt.com Insider for their title sponsor, uh, of being the title sponsor of this podcast. And all you have to do to win um, one of these gift certificates, 40 of the Insider members are going to win. Uh, all you have to do is be an, a GoHunt.com Insider member, 
And um, they've recently given away, like I said, two coos deer hunts in Mexico with a retail value of $13,000. Four landowner tags, uh, elk, mule deer, and antelope. And uh, they also gave away a $22,000 doll sheep hunt uh, in, I believe it was June. 100 phone scope, digiscoping adapters, kuyu sleeping bags, kuyu packs. Uh, The list goes on and on. All you have to do is be an insider member to be eligible for the drawing. And uh, if you're not already an insider member, uh, go to gohunt.com forward slash insider. Click on the blue join now button. Use the J. Scott promo code and you automatically get a $50 Kuyu gift card when signing up. And I also would like to point out that uh, gohunt.com insider has recently released uh their state's uh draw odds and i've been going over for my colorado and my utah application looking at the draw odds um, trying to figure out the best opportunity for me um for the for those states so um interesting news in arizona obviously you guys have probably heard about uh the uh, non-resident tag allocation Uh, and uh, we're hopefully going to have an episode here before the draw. I believe the draw is due February 9th, and uh, I'm actually going to break down the elk and antelope um, Arizona drawing and give kind of my opinion on on the the units to apply for. So um, we're going to cover some of that in an upcoming episode here before the drawing is due. And uh, guys, I just want to thank you for your support of this podcast. I uh, thank you for all the emails at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com, all the positive feedback. And you can go to jscottoutdoors.com, jscottoutdoors on YouTube, at jscottoutdoors on Instagram to follow along with our adventures. Uh, and let's get right to the episode with Hunter Weems. Tired of paying for opinionated hunting consultants and out-of-date information? Spending hours reading rules and regulations? Applying for tags and not drawing? We were too. So here at GoHunt.com, we came up with a solution of our own. With the information of Draw Odds and Filtering 2.0 in GoHunt Insider, you now have the most reliable hunting information on the market to date. Choose the type of hunt you want, when you want it, and we'll provide you with the rest. We'll also bring you plenty of other game-changing features you won't find anywhere else. So use someone you really trust to find your next hunt, yourself. Visit GoHunt.com slash insider and join the movement. Use the J. Scott promo code when signing up and receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. Since 1982, the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix has made it their goal to provide the very best customer service combined with the latest and greatest optics and accessories in the business. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods and mounting accessories for any hunter's optical needs. Go to Outdoorsman's.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code until February 28th to receive 10% off all Outdoorsman's packs and pack accessories. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got a young up-and-comer. We've got Hunter Weems from Flagstaff, Arizona, and uh, Hunter guides for A3 Trophy Hunts. Hunter, how you doing? Good, Jay. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to uh, 
you obviously get out in the field a lot. Uh, Hunter, what's your background in hunting and, and uh, how did you get your start and what have you? Well, uh, my dad, you know, before I was born, he had his own guide service here in Arizona. And then um, once they let out-of-state outfitters come in, he started, you know, couldn't compete with the market there, um, being a small-town Flagstaff guy. So he started guiding, and he still does it to this day. And that's really where I learned my passion for it. Um, my whole family's hunted, living here in Flagstaff. They've hunted Utah, Colorado, New Mexico. Um, you know, I killed my first bull when I was 10 years old and unfortunately haven't had an elk tag since then, but that, you know, it got me hooked. Um, and, you know, growing up, I was never a trophy hunter or anything like that. So it's all kind of new to me, I guess, but that's really where I got my start. Um, how old are you Hunter? 22 now. 22 and, um, you're guiding for a three trophy hunts. And I know that allows you to be out in the field i follow you on uh instagram and and uh, facebook and such and it seems like you're always out in the field uh are you enjoying uh hunting as much as you've been been out yeah i am um i think towards the end of the season you know when you put a couple hundred days in the woods every year uh towards the end of the season it's nice to either hunt for yourself um you know with the bow in your hand or whatever um or you know, just kind of take a break because it does take its toll on you out there. Um, but I mean, there's really nothing better. There's no desk job or any other job that I can think of that allows you to pretty much do exactly what your passion is like guiding does. For sure. Um, what hunts here in 2015, like give me a rundown of, uh, kind of your, your, the start of the year and, and how it progressed, maybe kind of walk me through your season of 2015. Yeah, I, uh, this year I was lucky and I got to hunt the Kaibab um, on the archery deer hunt um, with two guys. And we, I mean, shot at some deer, didn't connect on anything, but we shot at some deer that, I mean, strip type deer um, that, you know, we we're very fortunate to find and locate day after day and fling some arrows at. We never connected, but we still enjoyed the hunt. Um, then I got to do a 5B rifle antelope hunt with um, some people that now are, you know, some lifelong friends that I've got to make. Um, and uh, the lady that had the tag, she's 14 years old, and she ended up killing a, an exceptional antelope and um, a very rewarding hunt, just how long it took us and how many miles we had to put in. Um, but she ended up that- killing a great I'm- buck. Hunter, was that a hunt that um, you know very well, so you knew where to go, or did you really have to pour in the scouting time to fi- find the, that buck? Um, well, 5B, being close to Flagstaff, um, pretty accessible for me to run out, you know, for hours a day or just a couple hours in the morning before work or something. But my family grew up in 5B. Um, it's where I harvested my first bull elk. Um, so it's kind of like, my backyard I guess you could say as far as hunting goes um and I had previously guided for Gary Howell of Howell Wildlife Outfitters here in Flagstaff and um we had an archery antelope hunter in 5B um shoot might be four years ago three four hunting seasons ago and um 
that's kind of how I learned it for antelope. I'd always seen it, but never really hunted antelope out there. So that laid me a pretty good foundation of where to start, actually. Nice. So this young lady shot a really nice buck <clears throat> with you? Yeah, she did. I think the buck went 82 or 83. Um, it was one of the bucks that um, there's other guys here, local guys in Flagstaff, that were hunting this buck and another buck. And uh, the other buck was, you know, five, six inches bigger, um, and it was taken by Robbie Gerlach. But um, that was our kind of our hit list buck that we really were looking for. And then the buck that we harvested, that um, that was the other buck that we had scouted. And um, Chad Roten and Josh Stout and myself had taken video of this buck multiple times, and um, we figured that he was one of the better bucks out there. So it was nice that, uh, you know, knowing the unit and then being able to scout it quite a bit, um, turned up a buck like this and, you know, she may never draw a rifle antelope tag again. So it was nice that she was able to harvest a buck of that quality, um, especially being as young as she was. Um, she was very appreciative of what she had accomplished. That's awesome. And then from there, where'd you go? Uh, from there, I had about a day and a half off, I think. And then I uh, went to Unit 9, um, and I had a lady that had the muzzleloader, um, trophy muzzleloader tag. And um, we had a camp full of five hunters, and we all five tagged out, I think, in four or five days or something like that. Um, but Every time I'd go by there, there'd be a new bull. <laughs> it seemed like every I, – I never saw you there – um that i know of but when i would go by that camp there'd be a new bull hanging uh and um it was good to see all you guys there and how was that hunt hunter that hunt was pretty good um you know i kind of believe personally that the second week of the archery hunt is typically the better week for the rut in most cases um and you know as most know, they put that uh, muzzleloader hunt in front of the archery hunt this year. So I think it was a little bit pre-rut. Um, we had bulls, you know, screaming every day, um, but it wasn't quite, you know, full swing that I would expect um, for a trophy hunt like that. Um, but overall, the hunt was great. We were in, you know, bulls that were between three seven or 350 and 380 every day. Um, just waiting to get the right one kind of thing. And, um, I mean, we saw some bulls that, shoot, I'll never, ever forget. I, on my Instagram, I had a video of a really big bull and uh, the lady that I was hunting with, her and her husband sat water that evening and I just went out to film bulls and ended up calling this bull in silent and he came into 12 yards and bugled right in my face. So, I mean, it was that hunt had a lot more than just, we didn't just kill a bull. We, you know, I met some people that I still talk to to this day and, um, I really got to enjoy it and make some memories with them. And, you know, and she ended up killing a great bull. So I think that was a win for everybody. I actually saw the bull and it was a very nice bull. Um, congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. I think you had already, or maybe you were out in the field or something, um, scouting again, um, when I stopped in there, but I did see her bull. It was a beautiful bull. Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate that a lot. We, um, I actually had to go to an archery hunt that was already going on. So I had to leave pretty much the night that, uh, the night after we shot that bull, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, in camp, I think that night, Josh Wilson, who's another guy, he's a younger guy about my age. He, uh, we killed ours in the morning and he came in with a bull that was even bigger than ours. So it was pretty neat that hunt. It was, I think we killed three bulls on that third day of the hunt. And, you know, it was, it just stacked on. It kept getting a little bit better and a little bit better. And people were seeing and filming bigger bulls every day. So the hunt progressed kind of like you typically think a rut hunt would. It gets better as time goes on. Then you headed archery hunting. Yep. I uh, got to go to unit one um, on an archery hunt. And I had been in one a couple times, um, but it was a last minute thing. Guy just wanted somebody to hunt with. And uh, so I ran over there and, you know, I've hunted it on the late hunt. I've hunted the, uh, the early rifle or muzzleloader hunt one time. I uh, just kind of spotted for it. But when I got there, it was kind of a crash course and learning a bunch of the unit in a day or so and uh, getting out there and putting some serious miles down. And we hunted some really, really big bulls, missed a lot of bulls, um, didn't connect on anything there either. Um, but again, it was one of those things where, you know, you value your time out there and the, learning a new unit and seeing new bulls that you've never dreamt you'd see. But we didn't connect, but it was still a good time. Awesome. Then then uh, where did your adventure take you? Uh, let's see. After that, I came over to 5A and I hunted with um, a guy named Mike and his son, Cody. And uh, he had the early rifle tag in 5A. And that hunt, you know, my dad's guided the archery hunt in there for the last, I couldn't tell you how many years. And I've been in there and I've been able to help him and run around a little bit and I've shed hunted that area, so I knew it pretty well. Um, I ran a ton of cameras in there at preseason scouting. And for, you know, typically I think 5A is not known for being, uh, I guess you would call it a big bull unit. Um, but some of the bulls we were seeing, you know, were the equivalent of a unit 9 bull or, you know, something that on a unit 10 early rifle hunt that you probably not pass up. So, you know, for being a, I, I would call it a sleeper unit, I was pretty impressed for what we were seeing every day, getting into seven bulls a day, and you can hear seven different bugles, and you get to see four or five of the bulls bugling, so the next day you try to find the other three, so that hunt was a, a lot of fun, and uh, we hunted one bull pretty exclusively that went I think after he got killed, he was 364 or five or something like that. And that was one of the better bulls that we had seen on the hunt. And um, we ended up shooting a different bull on day six of seven. Um, really nice six-point bull. Uh, doesn't score crazy high, but it was one of those things where you had camera rolling from the sun and the dad got to sneak up and put an just a spectacular shot on this bull. So, I mean, it was another family memory and, um, his wife actually got to come and hunt with us for the first three days. So that was another thing. It was like, you know, I was built memories and then they got to experience it as a family. And we all came out on top because they got to kill, or Mike got to kill an exceptional bull, a uh, bull that I would never pass in, you know, in my wildest dreams. So that was a, uh, that was my 
last rut hunt of the year. Well, after elk season, then then what were you in? A, were you in the doldrums for a while, to getting over elk season because of how cool it is? Yeah, uh, we had uh, maybe two weeks off, I guess, um, after that early rifle hunt. Um, I, I was listening to one of your other podcasts about the elk hangover, and there's no... I've never heard anybody say it any better than that. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was pretty spot on. Because, you know, you go from listening to bugling bulls out of your tent all night long into, you know, that's pretty quiet around the house and deer yeah. don't talk like that, you know. So it was a little bit different and, you know, you miss it a lot. But um, then I got to go hunt two deer and that's another thing that, man, I just can't get enough of. So you coos deer hunted right after that? Yep. My uh, my roommate, actually, Austin Rourke, he had a 21 general hunt. And um, his dad and one of his dad's friends had the tag as well. So we kind of threw a tent in the back of the truck with a cot and ran down to 21 for a couple of days and got to you know, experience that country. And some of that's far more rugged than any elk country I've been in. And um, we had a friend, Colton Choke, come down and we hunted, I think we hunted two days and we shot at some deer, didn't connect on anything. And um, it was kind of one of those deals where we were kind of done hunting. And um, we were you know, at that point wanted to fill a tag and head back home because he and I both have uh, had school coming up the following week. So we uh, went after a little two-point buck that crested over a hill. And after we came up over the hill, a group of four bucks walked you know, kind of ran out in front of us at 400 yards and he shot a buck and we knew it had a good frame, uh, walked up to it and the buck went 106. So it was one of those <laughs> things where you'd never in your wildest dreams imagine shooting a 106 buck after going after a barely a split horn two point. But I guess if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. That's a, definitely a nice surprise to come away with a 106 when you go up after a two point, uh, that's awesome. Um, but I heard you say something in there. So you're going to school also with all of this going on? Yep. I'm a criminal justice major here at NAU. Uh, and I will be graduating next year with my bachelor's in criminal justice. You know, you know what's interesting about that, Hunter, is um, I was a justice studies major in college as well. And so that's interesting to, to hear. Um, it, I, I spent three years at Grand Canyon University and then finished at ASU, and I believe it was criminal justice at Grand Canyon, and then it switched to justice studies, I believe, at ASU. Um, so with that degree, what is your, what are you thinking uh, for uh, occupation? Well, my What's dad, my dad was in law enforcement for almost 30 years, so growing up, um, that was kind of the world I lived in, you know, um, you get to learn it and you get to be kind of criminally justice minded, I would say, um, growing up around law enforcement and other people in law enforcement, my best friends these days are other cops, kids. Um, so that was my plan. But this last summer I got a job. Um, well, two years ago, I got my real estate license 
And then this last summer, I got a job at an escrow title company here in Flagstaff. So I've been doing that, and you know, I'm far enough into the degree um, at NAU that I'm going to, you know, pursue it and finish it. Um, that way, I've got that really cool, expensive piece of paper. But <laughs> but as far as my uh, career goes, I think escrow is going to be where I'm going to be at for quite some time because that it's a you know it's a pretty secure job. Um, as long as the market doesn't go downhill again. Um, but I enjoy it and, uh, it lets me, you know, have weekends off and someday have a family and everything and be there to coach baseball or softball or whatever I may do. So that's my plan at this point. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know if you knew, but I'm in the real estate business. And so, uh, we use, uh, escrow and title companies all the time and, I have a lot of friends in the business and such, and it's a great business to be in. Um, You know, that's awesome that you're going to finish your degree and and get that expensive piece of paper. Um, You you know, I I think that's good that you're going to finish and and get that for sure. I'm sure your uh, parents are proud of you on that. Um, Okay, so 21 general hunt. Then you had to go to school for a little bit. And then what? Have you guys heard about PhoneScope? PhoneScope is a privately held company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. Take digiscoping photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. PhoneScope is the future of digiscoping. Get yours now. Use the JSCOT16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at Phonescope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com, or on Instagram, at Phonescope. Utah Hydrographics is in the water transfer printing service, and they are open to whatever you can dream up. Choose from a wide range of camel patterns, designs, and colors. Whether it's guns, bows, tools, rifle stocks, vehicles, steering wheels, fenders, dashboards, paint guns, fishing rods, cups, tripods, watches, knife grips, helmets for a local sports team or for your motorcycle, picture frames, mailbox, animal skulls, you name it, they can probably do it. Utah Hydrographics loves taking things that are general looking and turns them into something that looks fantastic and eye-popping. Give them a call and see what they can do for you and receive up to a 10% discount by using the J. Scott 16 promo code. Visit them at utahhydrographics.com or on Instagram at Utah Hydrographics. Oh man, I'm going to have to think. So we finished the, the 21 general hunt and then shortly after that we had, um, we had I think A3 had four clients for the um, Unit 10 uh, late season muzzleloader hunt. Uh-huh. And uh, so pretty much right after we got done in 21, we went right into scouting for that hunt. And um, scouting turned up some good bulls for us, but we decided, you know, right before the hunt, Colton Choate uh, found a bull that was probably in the 370, 380 range. And we figured that that was kind of our, you know, that was our bull for the hunt that we would be kind of exclusively hunting again. Um, and then right before the hunt, um, 
another guide in camp was one that was in Unit 9, Josh Wilson. He kind of had a wild hair and said that we need to go hunt this other part of the unit um, that really we were familiar with but hadn't been in there in, you know, a number of years. So he and I went down and started scouting, and it was uh, definitely better than the rest of the unit. We started seeing bigger bulls and more big bulls. and um, That hunt ended up, it turned out well for everybody there. Um, he and I each had a hunter in camp, and uh, Josh's client killed a bull that went just over 350. Um, and it was cool because all of it was on video and um we had enough time to set up for the cool stuff like that. And, uh, he, he finished his hunt in the morning and they were done opening day. And, uh, my hunt, my hunter and I, we hunted, um, a bull that we had seen the day before pretty exclusively. And we found him again, opening day and ran up the hill on him. Couldn't get onto him before he disappeared in the thick stuff. And, uh, Pretty much, I told him, you know, we can sit here and we can wait this bull out all day. It was, I think, mid-morning at that point. Or we can roll off the hill and go to camp and grab lunch and then hike back up here. And, you know, he stuck with it. He told me, he said, you know, the bull of this caliber, and we thought initially right around the 400 mark, um, he said that a bull of that caliber he was willing to wait it out all day for. And so we stuck it out under a cedar tree all day in the blowing sideways wind. And, uh, right before dark, that bull that we had, I had phone scope video and all kinds of cool stuff of him. Um, he stepped out at 250 yards, which was right about our max effective range that we really wanted to shoot with that wind um, to make it really, you know, a real ethical shot. Um, and that bull stepped out and Marv put a, I mean, a bullet that you really can't place it any better. All on video, and the bull dropped, and um, we shot again, and that that shot didn't connect, and then it was dark. And so we rolled off the hill and went back to camp, and I had, you know, the video of the kill shot, and we reviewed it over and over and over in camp and started realizing the shot may have been a little bit farther back than we wanted to and a little bit high, and everybody kind of in camp was apprehensive about the what the next day would have and um it worked out well the next morning we went up on the hill and the bull was laying there he didn't move more than five feet from where we had left him the night before and uh that bull ended up scoring right at 385 and if he had a, a pedicle that came out the front front of his forehead and if he didn't have that and matched the other side you know he would be right around the 400 mark um but Needless to say, all of us were pretty excited that we had a bull of that caliber, not only on a muzzleloader hunt, but on a late season hunt as well. But I, I think that hunt's not really considered a premium tag, but to pull a bull out like that was pretty special for all of us there in camp. Yeah, I'm looking at your Instagram page right now, and I'm looking at that bull, and man, he looks like he's got incredible third points, um, and you know, Every point on him looks uh, looks nice and long. Good thirds, good good fronts, uh, good force. Nice bull. Yeah, he was pretty phenomenal. When we saw him, we could just see his tops, and his tops on both sides are. I think they were perfectly symmetrical per, for the most part. Um, thirds were twenty three, fourths were twenty one, and his fifths were fifteen. Um, 
with, you know, a little bitty extra on one side, but as far as deductions, I think that's for fish personally. So I'm really cool with the growth score, <laughs> but yeah, um, awesome. yeah, that bull is phenomenal. And we realized before we shot that he had this kind of a funky pedicle on the other side that didn't have big, long sweeping tines, like, you know, his better side, but with a bull like that, you really can't even hesitate. That's something that most people will never accomplish in their life is shooting a 380 bull. So to not shoot that would have been absolutely insane. So we decided that that was the bull that we were going to harvest after all. Well, that's awesome. That sounds like an exciting hunt, you know, for a late hunt to shoot, shoot a bull like that's awesome. Um, so that puts you, let's see, that was probably what November. So that then what were you doing? Um, then my dad had a hunt on the Kaibab and I got to run up there and help him with that. And, uh, we killed two bucks up there with um, my dad's hunter and then the other guy in camp I got to hunt with. And um, we, had, my dad and I had scouted a buck that was we thought was over 200 just by a you know a couple inches. And the next more opening morning, um, my dad and his hunter rolled in there, and that buck didn't make it 15 seconds into opening morning. It was a really neat deal, um, and my hunter was going to, and I were going to hunt that buck. Um, but the night before I found a deer that I had never seen before. And nobody that I know of has a trail camera picture of, um, just kind of one of those elusive ghosts. And he had more scorable points than I had ever seen in my life. Probably the craziest deer I've ever seen. And, uh, Is this, this non-typical buck I'm looking at on your Instagram, a cheaters going off both sides. Yeah, that would be him. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's a that is a beautiful buck. Did that? Did you guys kill it? No, unfortunately we didn't. Um, from where I glassed him the evening before, I watched him pretty much till dark. Um, he had four or five does with him, and they just he just kind of hung out with the does. Um, in that video, he's going away. I popped up right over the top of him, and uh, he's going away, and then he comes up out to you know that little box canyon and stops and starts feeding with those so i thought oh this is a slam dunk deal next morning we roll into where i had glassed them in or glassed them from the, the night before and i couldn't turn them up turned up a couple other bucks but i just couldn't find that one and that was really the only deer we cared to hunt in that area that we had found it already anyways and um couldn't turn them up and started looking in different directions and Lo and behold, here's this buck walking across the main road, and a, a guy that was driving down the road was able to harvest him. So, you know, it's, wow. it's one of those deals. Really happy for that guy that he got, a, you know, a buck of a lifetime like that. But, you know, we were really working, grinding that buck out, and it just, you know, one of those deals wasn't meant to be for us. Yep. Well, sometimes that happens. Hopefully, you can be on the other end of that one of these days where where, uh, you know, you just happen to be driving down the road. Uh, doesn't seem like that's happened to me yet, but I, I hear about it happening. And, you know, my my thing is I just say, well, hats off to them. You know, they were in the right place at the right time. Um, yeah. That's awesome. So was that the Kayabab? Was that a late hunt then? Yep, that was, was that... a late rifle hunt in, uh, in 12B. Oh, 12B. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The, the strip, you know. Um, yeah, awesome. Yeah, and then the the gentleman that I was hunting with, um, 
we teamed up with another couple guys my age. Um, one of them is Matt Wilson of High Point Outfitters and Garrett Smith. And um, they had seen a buck that their hunter had no interest in shooting. Um, but, you know, we had that interest. And uh, we were able to go in there and harvest that deer. Um, that way the hunter could get home to his wife for Thanksgiving, which was kind of the overall goal there. Um, and, you know, that hunt right there, no matter how many times you have to deal with somebody in the woods that you don't agree with or get in an argument with or anything, that hunt and the gratitude and the appreciation that that guy showed for that deer, um, that'll make any, you know, horror story in the word, in the woods worth it. Um, just the appreciation and, you know, I don't think that there was a dry eye up there when that buck hit the ground just because of how special and how much a deer of that caliber meant to a, you know, a guy like that. So that was, that was hands down probably one of the more memorable hunts of my entire, you know, guiding career and hunting career um, was to see that guy so, you know, humbled by these bucks in the country they live in and to kill a deer like that was, you know, hands down the most worth it thing I've ever seen before. That's awesome. That's a great story. Um, it's always nice uh, when you're guiding, it's always nice to go with those, uh, individuals that really cherish the hunt like you do. And, and, um, I had a similar situation. Well, I've had, I've had a ton, but, uh, the most recent hunt, uh, here, the desert sheep hunt unit 22, my hunter Craig Dunlap, um, you know, watching it, the video, I, I watch it every time I watch it. What I'm trying to say is it just puts everything in perspective to see the reverence and see, um, how much he appreciates uh, hunting in general, but that ram and what that ram meant to him. So that's that's cool that you got to experience uh, having a hunter that that truly truly understood, um, you know what what uh, that that animal meant. So that that's pretty cool and special. Um, so did that wrap up your season then? Um, no, actually we had uh, well my mom drew a uh, late rifle bull tag and so I mean that was kind of all thing all guiding stopped at that point I told Chad Roten of A3 I said look um, I'd love to take a late hunter but this one this means more to me than you know anything else at this point I was getting the hunt with my mom and uh, so you know I talked to my mom before the hunt kind of thing and you know usually you call a client or a prospective hunter and you say, you know, what are you looking for? And, uh, they tell you, oh, I want a 380 bull or I want a 190 bucks, you know, whatever the case may be. And my mom told me, she said, look, I really like to shoot a, like a, something better than a three point. So I thought, man, this is, you know, this is, this is a fun hunt. This is the one I'm yeah. going to enjoy every day, you know? And, um, my mom's hunt lasted a total of, I think, five minutes from the time that we got to our glassing point and got out and looked across this little canyon, and there's two big bulls standing there, and we got her packed up. Um, my buddy Garrett and I got him all, got her all packed up, ready to rock, and that bull stepped out from the tree, and she made a 450-yard shot and anchored a bull that we had actually hunted on the early rifle hunt. Um, pretty hard and I had trail camera pictures of him and everything so it was really cool to see 
kind of some earlier season work come out successful on a totally different hunt and especially that my mom got to you know be the one behind the trigger and you know that bull's on my instagram too and that one that one meant a lot to me and just the fact that she got to enjoy that and she said you know that's the most fun she's ever had on any kind of hunt ever so that was another you know i had like two really good weeks right there where i had people that i was hunting with that they enjoyed every single second of the hunt whether they killed something giant or they just killed something at all and got to enjoy the hunt with somebody that they you know love and care for that was that was pretty cool yeah i mean probably your mom was just happy being in the field with her son regardless if if she even killed anything so that big bull was probably an icing on you know just icing on the cake and um, yeah, it's a nice bull. I'm looking at the picture now. Um, that's awesome. Congratulations for getting to share that with your mom. Yeah, uh, for you sure. Hunter, what animal would you say, uh, from a guiding perspective, what animal do you like to guide for the most? And then I'm going to have you, I'm going to ask you, what animal do you like to hunt yourself the most? Um, well, you know, everybody likes the big old bugling bulls that come in screaming into a cow call um i think as far as a guiding perspective i like late season mule deer i don't know if there's anything finer than chasing a big rutting buck um and you know i think that the deer are more active and they're maybe you can pattern them a little bit better if they've got some does with them and you know the ruts kind of when you know, you get trail camera pictures in velvet of big deer, but the ruts when they, in my opinion, the, that's when the big boys come out to play. So I, I think from a guiding perspective, that's hands down my favorite hunt to guide. Um, and I actually just got done with one. A good buddy of mine um, had a, a unit eight muzzleloader hunt, and uh, it just ended. I think we ended that hunt two days ago. Um, on a giant buck as well. But, um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything finer than chasing a big old swollen neck mule deer buck. Is that, there's video of this buck lip curling. Is that on that hunt? Uh, no, like, that was, that, that was from the Kaibab. That was that Kaibab buck. Oh, gotcha. That's pretty cool footage where he's got his nose straight up in the air. Yeah. That, that deer was full swing. Um, like I said, you know, they're a little bit more patternable when they've got does, in my opinion. And I think in the two weeks that we watched that buck prior to that hunt, he had moved, I don't know, 150 yards. So wow. it was pretty pretty cool to see. Um, that was a lot of scouting that really paid off in that on that hunt. Hunter, if you had to pick uh, one piece of gear that you couldn't go without, what would it be? For me, 15 power binoculars. I don't know if there's a, you know, spotting scopes are great, but with a pair of 15s, you extend your looks, uh, you can cover more country, you can really, um, one thing that my dad's preached to me since I was young is let your eyes do the walking. So, you know, you climb a big hill, and if you've got tens, you can pick stuff apart, but you don't see in great detail. But when you have um, really good optics in general, I would say, is the piece of gear that I could not live without. Um, 
but for me, it's my 15s. I have the Zeiss Conquest HDs, and in my opinion, it doesn't really get much finer than that. Um, I've looked through them next to Swarovski's, and I think, you know, Swarovski's are pretty hard to beat regardless. But um, I think as far as um, price point-wise, those Conquests are, you know, pound for pound just as good as any other pair of optics I've ever looked through in my life. So I would say that um, good optics are uh, the key, I would say. Okay. I totally agree with you. Um, you know, for people that haven't, you know, for, for Western hunters, it's pretty hard to beat the 15 power binocular for sure. Yeah. Um, now you're not hunting archery deer right now. Why not? Um, I'm not hunting right now personally because I, I ended up shooting a buck in January. Um, just a really nice four point buck. It, it's actually in the Chris Favors taxidermy shop up here in Flagstaff. But, um, um, yeah, that's the reason why I'm not chasing right now. And it's been a long year without my bow in my hand. That's for sure. Is the bow ready to go as soon as the clock strikes, uh, January 1st? Oh yeah. That thing is, uh, it's been chomping at the bit, actually. <laughs> I want to talk to you a little bit about archery deer hunting and from your perspective. Um, how, if, if you were to give a few tips and pointers to people that are trying to archery deer hunt, um, what would they be? Um, glass. In my opinion, um, letting your eyes do the walking, it's going to save you wear and tear on yourself, but that's one of the more efficient ways I've found, especially if you're going to trophy hunt, you know, if, if I can look at 10 bucks a day, but only one of them may be a shooter, I want to target that buck. If I, you know, if I get up on a hill and, you know, I can look at a couple bucks and say, he's 140, I'm not going to go after him, but that buck is good enough that, you know, I'll sit the pine, ride the pine for the rest of the year on, then uh, that's pretty important. And I think that that goes for, and to any hunt, you know, if driving down the road is, you know, you'll see a lot of deer that way, but you don't know what you're running into. Um, but when you jump up on a hill and glass them, um, if you're going to trophy hunt them, that's definitely the way to go. So when you're, when you're looking at say new country, um, what are you looking for specifically for archery deer hunting in hunting new country? Um, personally, I look for places that I will find um, a lot of deer. Whether you are interested in elk, deer, antelope, bighorn sheep, or moose, Western Hunter and Elk Hunter magazines will bring the adventure to your mailbox. These publications feature articles on the finest hunting gear, tips and tactics from experienced hunters, field judging trophies, glassing techniques, calling strategies, and much more. To become a more knowledgeable and skilled hunter, subscribe today. Go to westernhunter.net forward slash jscott and enter your email address for a chance to win a $1,500 credit towards any Swarovski product. Wilderness Athlete is committed to improving the health and quality of life for the outdoor athlete by providing field-tested, scientifically validated nutrition and sports performance product formulations. Check them out at wildernessathlete.com and use the JScott promo code to receive 10% off any order in January 2016. 
So you're looking for high concentration areas of deer because it's the rut, right? So you're trying to find an area with a lot of deer, then you get up on a knob and try and find a specific buck that's big enough for you to go after. Yeah, exactly. If I, you know, I think the boys are looking for girls at that point in the game. So, you know, if I could find an area with a lot of girls in it, the boys are usually going to be there. That and I look for country that's um, pretty stockable or, um, you know, has enough nook and cranny type stuff or has enough cover that you can get in close enough for an ethical bow shot. Um, I think that, that gets tough when you're hunting flat ground. Um, with not a lot of cover. You're not going to get as close, I think, as you would sneaking and peeking through some draws and cuts and things like that. So I think it, it's kind of like not a waste of time, but it's not very beneficial for you to be looking in the country that if you do find a big buck that you're, you know, willing to shoot, you're not going to be able to hunt him per se, like get close enough to stick an arrow in him if you're not in good country to stock in. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, in general, come January 1st around the Flagstaff area, um, are they are the deer still rutting or are they starting to taper off? Um, in my experience, they are still going, um, especially in the beginning part of the January hunt. Um, once you get to the later part, you know, you might find a buck chasing a second cycle doe that hadn't been bred yet. Um, you know, or uh, some of the younger bucks I've seen will hang out with the doe a little bit longer than a big mature buck will. Um, but yeah, I'd say the first two weeks of that um, January hunt and the last week of the December hunt are your best bets for really good rutting action and deer that you know, deer are never stupid, but are a little bit preoccupied looking for does or whatever than uh, looking for you sneaking up on them. For sure. It definitely, definitely helps when they're not on full alert. And, and um, it's amazing how sometimes you can, you can literally walk up on them. Um, as long as you use a little bit of stealth, you can get pretty darn close to them. Yeah. Um, buddy, it's been awesome having you on the show here. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts or any questions of me uh, before we close here today? Um, you know, I think that one thing I was kind of thinking about when you asked if I'd like to talk on the show is um, I think that there's some things that as the hunting community, we can all do a little bit better. And, you know, I may be stepping way out of bounds saying this, um, but I think that everybody needs to take a step back from the score and talking about, oh, well, he had this tag. Why didn't he kill this caliber of animal? And I think we need to remember that not everybody hunts the same way that you do, and not everybody hunts for the same reason. It's like my mom's hunt. We went out, and that was that was a hunt where we enjoyed our friendship and our camaraderie together out in the woods, and we came out on top. But if we didn't come out on top, we were still out there for the reason of spending time together. Um, you know, I look at Craig Steele, who's, you know, a pretty prominent figure in the hunting community and something that he says pretty regularly is hunt for more. And I don't think that, you know, I think that that is probably one of the most accurate things and one of the, like the truest things I've ever heard as far as hunting goes. 
And I think that everybody needs to take a step back and figure out what they're really hunting for. And remember that not everybody hunts for the same reason. When I have a tag in my hand, I don't hunt for score. I hunt for character and I hunt for being out with my good friends and family. Um, but everybody's going to hunt for something else. So when the next time that somebody sees um, a guy in January smack a two-point with his bow and now he's riding the pine for the rest of the year, instead of telling him, you know, what the heck were you thinking, tell him congratulations on a good job or her congratulations on a good job because that guy may have had some connection with that buck and made a good shot or a shot that he thought was difficult and that's what made it worth it to him. So I think, you know, trophy hunting is great and I think everybody needs to step back and remember everybody hunts for something else and give each other praise instead of knocking them down when that animal could mean way more to them than it ever would to you. So I think that's kind of, if I could give just a public service announcement about something, I think everybody needs to remember that not everybody hunts for the same reason. I think that's awesome, Hunter. I, I think uh, I think that's awesome. I think that statement there shows where you're at with your own hunting career. And um, uh, I love Craig Steele myself. Uh, I love everything that that guy stands for. And he's always on the podcast and people love listening to him. And Hunt for More is important. I love Craig's video series, Hunt for More, on his website, on YouTube. And um, you know, I really appreciate you bringing that point up because I think, you know, at, at, I think it's real easy to get caught in the rut of, of this being a competition. And the reality is it's not a competition at all. And um, it's about friendship. Uh, it's about pushing your own limits. It's about uh, achieving your own goals. And I really appreciate you bringing that up. I appreciate uh, you coming on today and spending time with us. And I've always appreciated your support uh, of my podcast. Uh, I find you commenting and, and liking and saying nice things about it. And uh, I want you to know that you're always welcome here on the podcast. I look forward to talking with you about uh, the upcoming season. Uh, we, we'll probably have, you know, a couple month break. Um, I'm sure you'll be doing predator hunts and all sorts of other stuff. But uh, um, just want to wish you the best. And thanks for coming on and spending time with us. Yeah, thank you, Jay. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I look forward to being on the show again. All right, buddy. Sounds good. God bless you, and uh, have a Merry Christmas, okay? Thank you. You too.